You've spent your whole life around sports. Why? What is it about athletics that makes you want to devote your life to it? Um, that's a great question. What is it about athletics? I have literally, to your point, spent my entire life around sports. I love sports. I love the competition of it. I love the uh, sort of finality of it. I think I love the idea that whatever you put into it, you hopefully get out of it. But but even that's not the case every time, right? You can work hard and you might still lose. You might still not be successful. But I think the lesson you learn from sports, I think it is difficult to replicate anywhere else in life. And I think you truly learn how to fail and succeed. You truly learn what it means to overcome adversity. And I think that those lessons can serve people throughout their life. You know, when, when sports are over, I mean, those are some things I've carried with me forever. Yeah. So you're, you're a high school football coach now. One of my questions was, how much of teaching sports do you feel like is teaching life? You know, talk about how you kind of merge those yeah. two. That's a good question, too. It's interesting. When I talk to coaches here as the athletic director, uh, I often say I think, you know, coaching in high school or especially at Fieldston is like 95% psychology and then about 5%, you know, sort of what you know about the sport. And I think that as coaches, we need to realize that how impactful what we're saying is and how meaningful it is to the, to the students that we're teaching and how much they take what we say to heart and, and really think and live with the words that we put out there and how, how big of a responsibility I think that is on us. And I, and I think that if we can recognize that we are teaching life through sport, you know, whether it's, you know, ball, you're a basketball guy, so whether you know, it's ball handling or shooting or playing defense, whatever it might be, the mentality of that, and understanding that work and that togetherness and that camaraderie and coming together to try to achieve a goal, you know, I think will serve you and athletes no matter what they go and do after this. So I, I think it's very entwined or intertwined. Yeah. You mentioned that a lot of it is teaching psychology. You said 95%. Uh, there was, that makes me think about, you have this one, uh, you know, <laughs> patented speech, the wheelbarrow speech. <laughs> Take this opportunity to, to tell everyone what the speech is and what it what it means to you. Yeah, it's so funny. I've never been a guy that's like brought out sort of these, I don't want to say cliche, but kind of these uh, motivational, you know, mm -hmm. poster type speeches. Um, and, and I don't know, I just felt in that moment I needed something. And, and you never know like how something like that is going to land either. <laughs> you know, our kids going to think it's corny or are they going to be into it? Are they going to sort of laugh it off? And that one landed so well. Uh, I was I was actually a little bit surprised. But the idea is, I mean, the idea behind it, I think, is actually brilliant. I think it's meaningful. But the idea is there's a guy who's going to tightrope over Niagara Falls. And what he uses as his balance mechanism is a wheelbarrow. And he usually fills it with rocks. And he goes up on the day that he's going to do this. And the media is all gathered. You know, everybody's excited. Is this guy really going to do this moment? And he says... Before he does it, he says, you know, who thinks I can do it? And everybody's like cheering and they're celebrating. And he goes, yeah, who? Everybody thinks I can do it. And then he goes, but who truly believes that I can make this happen? Who truly believes in me? And everybody's still screaming. And he looks at one person and raises their hands. And he goes, you believe I can do it? And the person's like, yes. He dumps the rocks out of the wheelbarrow oh and goes God. and step in the wheelbarrow. Wow. So that idea of like sort of believing in something versus fully buying in, yeah. I think is something we all find ourselves in. Like it's very easy to be like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, of course. But then what about when it really comes down to that moment 
are you 100% truly bought in? Will you yeah. jump in the wheelbarrow? Do you trust the person that much? Yeah. It's pretty cool. When, <laughs> when did you give that speech for the first time? Um, I gave it this past fall. Wow. First time. Yeah. I, I can't remember what game I used it in, but I gave it this fall, you know, second half of the year on a Friday. Uh, I just felt we needed a little bit more. We needed something to, mm-hmm. to latch on to. Yeah. And I, it worked. It worked. It worked. So I was happy. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize that this was the first year that you gave that talk because I everyone was talking about it like this is his speech like yeah, that I, was your I, like I, I, I thought it was your signature move. It might be now, <laughs> yeah. Might, but I feel you got to wait like every couple of years, you know, because now you got to wait until this group maybe graduates to bring it back out again. The <laughs> fact that you know about like that people were talking about it, I mean, I think that's amazing. Yeah. But if you do, I mean, if you think about the meaning of it, right? It is meaningful as an athlete yourself. The idea. I mean, we've all been on teams, right? Where people are like, you know, they're sort of one foot in, one foot out. They're sort of saying they, you know, they, they buy in, but are their actions really speaking to it? It's one, you know, I think that's it too, right? It's, are your actions really displaying what your mind and what your mouth is saying? Yeah. One of the things about you as a coach is that I think a lot of people do buy in. What's sort of your strategy for getting people to buy in? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, um, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to a coach today. Where I was, I was uh, interviewing a potential coach for here. And I, I think the relationship piece is the most important part. I think if you can develop relationships with your kids, then they're going to buy in for you. I think if our kids here believe that we have their best interests at heart and that everything we're doing is really for the benefit of them, whether, whether they see it in that moment or not. And when you can find that spot, then I think you can push our kids as hard as you want because they're going to do anything for you. Um, but I think sometimes, I think sometimes, you know, our kids can be quick to check out. You know, they'll, they'll be quick to check out. And, and I don't think that's their fault. I think they have so much going on in their lives. I think there's so much pressure. I think there's so many things that kids are trying to accomplish these days, especially at a school like Fieldson. And if they don't feel it, whether athletics, their academic class, whatever their club, whatever they're doing, I, I think it's too easy to move on to the next thing because there's so much happening. So if you can get them and you can catch them and you can latch on. And for me, I, I think it's been, you know, I try to be as honest as I can. I try to be as transparent as I can. Um, I try to have fun too. I think you have to have fun. I try to be, I try to be real also. I try to show uh, I, I think I think a human side that like I don't know everything. I want input. I want to listen. I want to hear what our, our athletes have to say. I want them to be invested. And I think by doing those things, I've been able to create a culture that that I think is pretty special. Yeah, for sure. How do you kind of balance the you know relationship aspect of coaching with kind of the technical? Like, because you're sort of you kind of have to multitask. Um, from a relationship standpoint, because on one hand you have to coach guys, you have to push them to be better. Sometimes you have to be hard on guys who you think have a lot of potential. But on the other hand, you also have to be, you know, in a sense, you have to ha- be a friend to them. Mm. So how do you balance those two? Yeah, uh, that's it. It's, yeah, these are good questions. I, you know, I, I wonder that sometimes myself. Like I wonder sometimes, like where, like where's the line? And and I think sometimes, look, I think in a good way. I think sometimes here we cross the line, maybe, and and I think it's okay because I think I think we also have kids here that are incredibly mature, incredibly special. Um, so thoughtful, so smart that I think, again, I think that's why that relationship is so important. I think if you, you know, if you are straddling that line and then maybe every once in a while, 
you know, maybe you float a little more into the friend spot as opposed to the coach athlete. But I think our kids are mature enough to understand that. I think as long as you can sort of set those boundaries that you can cross every once in a while, I think it only, I think it only helps to enhance the relationship. But I think that when that relationship is established, I think then it almost affords you more ability to be harder on somebody because I think they know where it's coming from. Mm. I think they know it's coming from a good place. Um, you know, I know, look, when I, when I played, I played for people that were so difficult to play for, screamers, yellers, in your face, constant, 24 hours a day, it was yelling, it was belittling, it was aggressive, it was, you know, it's all I experienced. And when I took this job here, I was like, you know, I didn't know much about coaching at that point, but I just said, I, I, I want to be the exact opposite of that. Because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't feel anything for that. Like, I just, it was like you were playing out of fear as opposed to, I, I wanted my, I wanted my athletes to play for a love of the program, a love of what we're doing and not out of fear. Because I think it's just, I think it's more powerful. So sort of what you're saying is there isn't necessarily a distinction between like friend and coach, because if you can have a relationship with them, then when you're, you know, more kind of drifting towards the coaching, like the, the being hard on guys, that end of the spectrum, they're going to, you know, receive it better than they would if, you know, there wasn't a relationship there. I think so. But I think you also, I think you also do need to be careful because I think if you're, this is where it's a fine line, right? And these where you really need to be able to feel it and you really need to be, I think, self-aware. Because I do think if you, if you, if you almost become too much of the friend piece, then there's that part that maybe they're also then not going to take you seriously enough when you do need to come down on somebody or you are in a moment of like, Hey, this moment's serious. Um, so I think, I think there is a line there. The ability to navigate it is complex, but I think when you can get it, I think that's when you're going to have so much success when you can find that spot of like, I'm, I'm on it. I'm bordering. I might drift off it a little bit, but I know to get right back to it, but I've established enough that I can do that. And I think it takes years. I don't think that's, I don't think that happens in a year or two years, I think that takes time. Um, I think it takes time to create that culture around that. And then when you've been doing it for a long time, now you have alumni and you have people that have been in it and it sort of self-fulfills to some extent where it's like it's being passed down now by the athletes that have played for you and have been in that program. And to me, when those people are now sending the message, that's the best. Yeah. That's the best. So you got to be right in that area where it's like, they're taking, they're taking you seriously, but they know it's coming from a good place. They have a relationship with you, but the relationship leads to, you know, uh, a culture that's compassionate. But you know, they're able to hear what you're saying and really apply it to, you know, whatever you're you're yeah. coaching them through. Yeah, I mean, one one of the best stories I have that I think sums up me, my relation, my team, and and that moment to me. We were playing a game, it was like 10 years ago, and I, I tend to gamble a little bit with play calling, you know, I'm, a, I'm definitely aggressive. And we were beating somebody we'd ne- we had never beaten, it was King up in Connecticut. We had, we had the ball, we were up five with like a minute something left. They called their final timeout and we had third and one at like the 35 going in, I'll never forget it. They called their final timeout. And I wanted to throw it. Like, I was like, God, we've just been running the ball into the line. You know, been trying to get them to use timeouts. We're trying to run. And I'm like, I just, I wanted to get a first down. I didn't want to give the ball back to them. I didn't think we could run it one more time. So I was like, play action here would end it. I think it would end it. It's like, it's worth a shot. 
the minute they called the timeout, our tight end was a senior. I was very close to it. Literally sprinted off the field at me. He grabbed me by my shirt collar, like grabbed me like, okay. aggressively, and was like, you understand you cannot throw the ball here. Like, do you, un like, in my, he was in my face. Um, anybody who saw from afar probably thought it looked like what is happening right now that a player has grabbed their head coach and was like in their face. I burst, I, I, I laughed because I was like, one, the fact that he knew me well enough to know what I was thinking was incredible. Like, he was comfortable enough to grab me because he knew that he, and he really knew the game. Like, he really understood sports and football. Um, it was amazing. Like, I thought that moment where he was comfortable enough to do it, I wasn't, I wasn't like, who do you think you are, student, like grabbing me, right? Like in my face, I get where it's coming from because we had that relationship, right? So I wanted to throw it so bad. And I'm like, dude, by the way, if we throw it, it's coming to you, right? Like, you know, as a like that's who I'm going to. He's like, you, you can't. So I listened to him. We did not throw it. We ran it. We did not get a first down. We punted. I sweated out the final 40 seconds of the game. We ended up winning that. Wow. That is a crazy story. <laughs> but that's real. That's awesome. But I think it sums yeah. it up, right? Like, Because some coaches would have been like, who do you think you are? Yeah. Like, get your hands off me, right? Yeah. But I was like, the fact that he knew that I was thinking that, to me, was incredible. Like, he knew exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, and it's awesome that he was comfortable enough to do that. Yes. And, and he wasn't being disrespectful. He, like, there was no disrespect. Yeah. He was passionate in the moment, as he should have been. Yeah. Anyway, I want to kind of contextualize your athletic career and yeah. you know transition into that. So I guess just tell your story. Sure. All the really cool levels of sports <laughs> that you – multiple um, sports that you played. Yeah, so I, I started in Notre Dame, played football, baseball at Notre Dame. Uh, I left after losing my redshirt year to Michigan State, played football, baseball there. Was drafted out of high school. I had a field by the Mariners. I did not take it to go to college. Got drafted by the Royals after my sophomore year in college. Didn't take it. Then got drafted by the Yankees after my junior year. Took it. Played one year of minor league baseball. Um, then decided to go back to football. And I went to a Division three school called Rowan. Played one semester there of football. We lost in the Division three championship game. Got signed by the Rams as an undrafted free agent. And then bounced around with the Rams. Uh, Colts, Jets, Chiefs. Played a season in NFL Europe. Played a season in the Canadian Football League. Ended up playing two years in the Arena Football League in Albany. Um, so some, you know, some wow. crazy. Uh, that is an impressive. And somehow ended up back here. Yeah, that is <laughs> nuts. Was there so when you were growing up? Was it was your goal like I'm gonna play at all these levels, or were you just kind of like I'm playing sports? I'm you know better than everyone else. I would assume, and you're you know just loving it, and you just kind of stuck with all these different sports for as long as you possibly could. Yeah, um, I mean, my goal when I was little was I wanted to be a professional athlete. Like, okay. That was all I wanted. Like, that was it for me. Uh, and my mindset was, I'm going to do everything I can to put myself in a position to do that. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I think for me, I feel like I did that. I feel like I, I, I feel like I did everything I could have done. I feel like I worked my butt off. I feel like I, you know, and, and so I have, I have zero regrets looking back. Like, you know, I, I do wish that I, I had made, I got cut a million times. Um, but, but, you know, I, I have some frustration over some of those places, but it was more based on, you know, like I thought I should have gotten more of a shot or more of an opportunity. I, I have zero regrets of ever saying I should have worked harder. I should have done this or I should have done that, which, um, which I'm proud of. How do you balance well, actually, first of all, let's get uh, specific. So you you were 
What position did you play in baseball? Oh, uh, I was a in high school. I was a third base, like shortstop, and yeah. then, and then um, in college, I played first base. Okay, and you were quarterback in football. Quarterback. Yeah. So, and you also played other sports in high school. Oh, uh, basketball too. Played yeah, basketball. Yeah. 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 So you, like, to me, what amazes me about that is I've only been. I mean, I, I've, you know, dabbled with soccer here and there and uh, cross country. But, you know, for the main, for the vast, vast majority of my athletic career, it's been basketball. So, and to me, it's just, it's it's easier because I can't, uh, I don't have to balance all these different mm-hmm. skills. So my first question is like, how do you, how are you able to balance learning all these different skills so well? Yeah, it, I mean, it was challenging at times. Uh it was also different. You know, it's interesting now. Like, I often wonder now if I would have stuck with basketball. I liked basketball. I was okay. Like, I wasn't a great basketball player. Uh, I was, like, a rebounder. I was, like, a, you know, I was a <laughs> defender. Um, which pretty good basketball yeah. team since I was here, though. Yeah. And then, you know, but there wasn't, like, the outside training facilities. Like, the like. I wonder now if I would have skipped basketball and sort of done, like, fitness or, you know, tr- lifting, you know, yeah. and done something like that. It was more for me. It was, like... Hey, basketball is a way to like stay in shape and, and, and you know, keep working. Um, it, it was, you know, it got harder as I got older. You know, I, one, one thing I think that's an advantage of, of going to a place like Fieldston, and I, I still believe this to this day as the athletic director, you know, even though we're starting to, to bleed, like there is some off-season training opportunities, I still think it's a place where you can play multiple sports without really feeling the pressure from your coach to be like, oh, I need you here, even though, you know, you're a football player, like, why are you not in the gym? Uh, which when I was here was really that way. There was really no other off-season competition. So for me, it was like, all right, football ended, boom, I went into basketball. Basketball ended, it was like, okay, baseball started, like, let's start swinging, let's start getting ready for that. And it was sort of baseball all summer. And then it was like, okay, August hit, like, let's start getting into football. It got harder in college because they really start to bleed into each other more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that finding sort of the time to do both in college was, was a challenge. Okay. And how did you navigate that challenge? Yeah, so so what I did was, you know, so there's obviously spring football in college and it falls right in the middle of the baseball season. My agreement with my coach was were if I had a baseball game, I went to the game. If it was a baseball practice, I went to football. So there was, I remember at least two times when I was supposed to have had a baseball game, I went to the baseball game in baseball uniform. Game got rained out. I ran back into the locker room, changed, put on football stuff and ran over to football practice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, in terms of your kind of uh, you know daily training, how do you how do you balance them? You know. Yeah, it was um, like so. So it was really football sort of drove the boat for me, especially in college. Like you know, I, I did all my training was with the football team, and then you know, sort of sort of like when football ended, like in January, then I really turned the page and was like, okay, I got to start hitting, I got to start fielding, I got to start you know getting getting baseball. I was obviously in shape from the football stuff, but it was more getting like your hand eye stuff going, like starting to get at bat starting to get you know the rust off um so i would really start that religiously like in january and then as soon as baseball was over in may then the summer and stuff was really back to football training do you feel like making progress with one kind of translated to the other did do you think it was pretty you know distinct i think the train the overall training helped both for sure like the lifting the running the conditioning like all that football training no question maybe a better athlete for both um, but then I think when it comes down to the specific sport specific stuff, like baseball is just so different than anything else. Like yeah, you, you have to hit, you have to feel like you have to take your swings. Uh, so, so, you know, I always felt like I was a little bit behind in baseball because those guys have been doing it all winter and I was sort of trying to catch up in January. 
Mm. Shifting gears, tell me about one or two of the biggest plays from your career. So baseball, I think for me, I don't know if it was one particular play, but I had a, I had a three home run game in college that always stands out for me. I hit I hit I was a switch hitter, so I hit one I hit two home runs righty and one lefty. Wow, uh, which 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 was awesome against Florida Atlantic. I'll, I'll probably never forget. Um, football, probably at Rowan, we were in the we were in the Division three semifinals. Um, we were down one with like a minute something left on a third and long. And I hit a deep crossing post for the first down, and we took it down to the seven yard line and kicked a field goal to go to the finals. So wow. that, that was a cool moment. That was a cool moment. Yeah. How did you How did you feel in that moment? Like, were you like scared to death, or was it like this? Yeah, it's is- funny. No, I think I, one thing about you know one thing about I think playing at that level, you're so prepared. Like you're so insanely prepared, and you repped it so many times. That even when you step in a huddle in that moment, it's like you know the sort of how big this moment is. But um, you know, I always force myself to as a quarterback to be even if I was feeling it to like not show it to like all those guys, those ten guys in the huddle to be like, all right, he's calm, he's ready to go. Like we better feed off that, even though you realize like this is a big moment. <laughs> yeah. So typically, when you you know you feel the performance anxiety, it's one of those things where you kind of just have to fake it till you make it in a sense. I think a little bit. I, mean, I was always pretty confident and I, and I think the preparation you do gives you that confidence. Um, you know, I was a big prepare guy, you know, watching film and, and, and studying. And I think that feeds your confidence level. And then I think football is, it's so fast. Everything's happening so fast. So you don't have a lot of time to really feel the same performance anxiety. You know, like I, I think you feel it more in baseball when you're, it's in that bad and it, your, your mind gets so much more into it or like standing on a free throw line, you know, where you're sort of by yourself. Football just, you know, it doesn't lend itself to those moments as much because it's, it's so much more about like just reading and reacting faster. Uh, where baseball, baseball to me was so, I mean, that, that, is, that sport is so mental. Yeah, yeah. So how did you, what were kind of some of your... Uh... What was your thought process like in baseball when, you know, you had those moments like that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, those moments creep into all of us, you know, for sure. I mean, you're up in a big, you know, you're, you're, you're out in a bat in a big spot. And, you know, you're trying to sort of, you know, push the negativity out of your mind and trying to really visualize like what you're looking to do in this moment. And then I think, again, I think so much of it goes back to your training, right? It's like you've taken a thousand swings, you know, you've taken a million at-bats, like just in having the confidence to know, you know, I'm better than the guy who I'm facing right now. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's, that's the mental approach I'm, I'm walking into the box with every time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the ball hard somewhere. Yeah. And, and you know, if I don't, I remember, I remember one time I went to play and like showcases were sort of just starting back then. Like I know now they're sort of everywhere, but I went to this pretty big baseball showcase and it was like, we, we did like a, they put us through like a tryout and then we played two games. In my first game, I went 0 for 3, and it was one of the first times I felt, like, pretty intimidated by what I was facing. It was, like, one guy after the next or on mid-90s, like, upper 90s guys, you know, first-round draft picks. And I remember my dad was like, let's stay and watch the second game. And it was the greatest thing he did because I stayed and watched, and it was it was his move to just let me see, like, I, I can play at this level. Um, and then the next day I went out and went 3 for 3. So it was just, you know, being sometimes, like, it, it was intimidating because I hadn't been in a spot like that, right? Like, I would played, you know, 16 17 high school games here you know some good competition but nothing like what that was yeah and then it's like oh my god like you know one guy after the next is throwing in the mid 90s you know do i belong here 
uh, and then sitting there watching it for a second. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel like confidence to you means I belong here. I can play with these guys. Yeah, I think confidence. I mean, that's for me, it's, it's I belong here. I can play here. Um, I, I trust my ability uh, more than anybody else. But I think, I, I think personally that confidence also comes from your preparation. Yeah. I, 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 that my preparation and my work ethic fed me with confidence mm-hmm. because I felt, I always felt prepared. You know, I didn't want to walk into something ever feeling unprepared. To me, that's where the anxiety would come from. And then, whether it was academics also, right? Like, you know, if I didn't feel like I'd studied for a test enough and I'm walking in to take a test, I was like, oh, you know, now I start to feel anxiety. Like I used to like to walk into tests the same way, being like, I'm going to crush this test because I know I studied my butt off last night. Um, you know, that, that feeling of like, I am prepared for this moment. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. How do you maintain that when you feel like you do prepare and it doesn't show for whatever reason? Yeah, or it doesn't work out, right? Yeah. So, you know, that I think that is a hard message for kids. I think for me, that happened in my life for sure. Like it happens to everybody, right? You can prepare and, and somebody's going to beat you. Somebody's going to be better. Or you're going to have a bad day. Uh, and how do you reconcile that is challenging. And I think then you have to be able to have sort of the mental toughness or the mental capacity to sit back and say, okay, I got beat today, but I still put everything I could have into this. It's not, I didn't get beat because I didn't work hard enough. I didn't get beat because I didn't try hard enough. I didn't get beat because I was unprepared. That person was better today. And and then I think you can accept that and move forward. Yeah. Who were your role models growing up? Um, I love Don Mattingly was one of my favorites. You mm-hmm. know, first Yankees, he was one of my favorites. I loved watching him hit. Phil Sims for the Giants, one of my favorite quarterbacks. I love watching him play. Um, I loved. I mean, I loved Bernard King from the Knicks. He was like, I mean, Bernard King was like the greatest thing in the world. Uh, but Mattingly for baseball for me was like probably my 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 favorite. And Phil Sims, I would say, quarterback. Yeah. What were what were the traits of these players that you know really? you looked up to and you were inspired yeah. by? Um, for, I mean, Mattingly, I loved, I mean, I, I was also a big imitator growing up. Like I <laughs> loved watching sports and then be like, you know, can I do that? And he, watching him hit, like just his approach in the box, you could tell how thoughtful it was and how he always seemed like a guy who was prepared. Nothing ever seemed to catch him off guard. And you would watch him. I mean, I still remember he would like change his stance depending on who he was facing. He was always wanting to try new stuff also, which I think is rare to see. Um, but, but his ability to try different things to try to find success was something I really thought was interesting. And then Sims for me was purely like his toughness. I thought he was one of the toughest, fiercest competitors out there. You know, like he would take hits all day long, always get back up. Uh, just the fierce competitiveness of that guy was awesome. Yeah. On the spectrum, so this is this is a completely different question. Yeah. On the spectrum of optimist to pessimist, where do you fall? Um, I'm like ninety nine percent on the optimistic side. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna guess. <laughs> how how is that kind of? <laughs> how is that? Has that? What are so talk about the pros and cons of you know yeah. having that attitude? When has it benefited you? When yeah. is it not? I mean, it's interesting, right? Because I'm, I'm I'm incredibly optimistic. I'm incredibly positive. 
Uh, I like to live my life that way. I like to carry myself that way. I just think it's, you know, I, I, I know, you know, for me, it just works. But, um, and, and I'm somebody who's been like, I've had, you know, my career was great, but I had tough moments. Like, I, I mean, I got beat down a million times. I mean, I transferred, you know, twice and I got cut a thousand times. Uh, you know, I had tremendous adversity in my life that, and I saw players around me face incredible adversity. I saw it, and I saw it beat people down. Like I would see it visibly beat people up destroy people i would see them come into the locker room you know head down like can't believe we're doing this again and and i think i just made a vow at some point you know not even consciously but just to say it's just not going to get like it's not going to get to me like that is not going to get to me and i'm not going to carry myself that way no matter what and i don't want to i don't want to let somebody see that they can get to me in that way whether it's a coach whether it's somebody else um and I think it served me well. Like I think it has served me well. I, th I, I mean, I do feel, I, I really do feel like I can handle anything. Like I, I, I feel very confident about that. I feel like I can, I feel like I'm mentally tough enough to sort of handle anything thrown at me. And um, that's kind of a cool feeling to have because I often say, and I've seen people get broken by the coaches I played for, Nick Saban and Holtz. And, and I was like, they didn't break me. And I'm like, if they couldn't break me, I don't think I'm going to ever face those types of pressures in my real life and not be able to handle it. So it seems like you've been able to, you know, earn that perspective because you've, you've dealt with, you know, adversity over and over and over again. And because it sounds like your, your core principle is I'm not going to let an external event, you know, change what I'm doing internally. You know, I'm going to keep my mentality as you know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep my mentality the same, regardless of what's, what's going on that I can't control. And since you've, you know, can, you've consistently had that perspective, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're saying that since you've done that over and over and over again, through really tough moments, you now sort of have the feeling where it's like, no matter what happens, I can handle it. I do. I do. I, I, I look, I, and I don't know, I don't know what I can, like, I, I can't point to anything and say, this is what gave me the, the ability to do this, or this is, you know, this is how I was able to handle it. I, sometimes I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what was inside of me to be able to handle being screamed at for two hours straight during a practice every single day. I mean, there were days when it was, it was two hours every day, riding me every name under the book that you can imagine being called. And... I don't know. It just like I was able to sort of hear what was being said, not how it was being said. I was able to separate out what I was feeling and how I was playing. I, I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how. But I do know. I'm. I'm. I feel fortunate and thrilled that I had the ability to do that, and I feel fortunate and thrilled that 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 as I got better and better at it, I was able to say, "Hey, you know what." Like it just it's just not gonna phase me. And and I mean I had fans, I mean, through the years say stuff that, you know, you, you could only imagine or you know, you've been to games, you've heard it, but um I and I'm just like that's not gonna that's not gonna affect me. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna let somebody have that feeling that they have that over me. Yeah. I'm not gonna give you that. I'm not gonna give you that moment. 
hear what was said, not how it was being said. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. you want to elaborate on that? That's Well, a, I think, you know, you hear from coaches a lot, right? You hear people say all the time, like, oh, you got you to gotta listen to what they're saying and not necessarily how they're saying. You know, part of me is like, as a, you know, as a kid, you're like, ah, oh, it's a BS. Like, well, you know, how are you supposed to do that? Yeah. But as you get older and you start to see like, oh man, I actually am getting some good advice in there. It's coming at me like, you know, it, 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 probably not in any way it should be coming at anybody, but there is advice from people that have been around the block and they know their stuff and they're sort of, that's how they coach, right? It, it, it's in your face. It's all the time. It's screaming. It's yelling. It's, it's abusive. It's abrasive. But the advice in there is actually good and you can learn yeah. from some of it if you can sort of separate it out. Yeah. But it's hard. It's yeah. hard. I mean, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Got you. So you, you really have to sort through, you know, yes, I, I might be kind of like, whatever, this makes me angry, but I'm yeah. going to really try to figure yeah. out like, what what is it in here that yeah. I can learn from? And look, I'm not saying, there are so many times I lost my mind. I mean, there, you know, I don't want to sit here and say like, oh my God, nothing ever failed. I mean, there were times when I lost my mind. I mean, there were times when like, you just couldn't handle it, right? And, and there were times when I, when I would lose it. Uh, but I think you're almost, it would be abnormal not to ever lose it. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there had to be moments where it's like, oh my God, like this has gotten to a place where I can't take this anymore. And you got to be able to respond in some way. Yeah. Uh, and those moments happen all the time. Like in college football, I mean, those moments, there were, there were fights in practice all the time. There were players going off on coaches because sometimes it's like the pressure and the pressure, 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 pressure always. And you know, at some point someone's got to give. Yeah. How do you sort those moments out when they do happen? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You know, what's interesting, though, depending on, on really who's coaching you, um, it, you know, and, and I, happen to have, I happen to have been coached by people that had, had a ton of experience. And, you know, I had moments where I just, I, I live into one of my coaches. And then, you know, sort of it's part of the deal, right? Like the next day it was apologies and, you know, hey, we're moving forward. Like, I get it. Like, it happened. And, and they were able to sort of put it behind themselves and move forward. I see it here. Like, I'm able to, like, there are moments like, you know, I'm coaching and they'll, they'll lose their mind. And I'm not, I'm not going to overreact to that. Like, you know, you're going to lose your mind sometimes. It is what it is. You know, uh, you know, let, let's, let's, let's figure it out together. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Let's not overreact to one moment. I think too much in this world, people overreact too fast. Yeah. How did your goals develop over time? So you mentioned as a kid, your goal, just be a professional athlete. How did, you know, how did, how did those goals kind of change and, you know, develop over time? Yeah, that's a cool question. You know, at first it's like, oh, I want to be a professional. And then all of a sudden it's like happening, right? You're like, oh my God. At first it's like, I want to go to college. That happened. I want to be, you know, now it's like, oh my God, it happened. Then it's like, now I want to be a starter. You know, I, I think I'm good enough. You know, I've seen what was out there, right? So, you know, it's funny because you have, you know, you have expectations for yourself and they do change. As you get older, they change. You start, you know, certain things, you start to see what's out there and you're like, oh yeah, you know, as the funnel goes, like you're still in it, right? And then I'd be in these training camps with these, you know, high, you know, guys you're watching on TV, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm competing with this. Like, I'm actually fine. Um, and then also the expectation changed. It's like, wait, now I'm not just happy being here anymore. Like, now I want to play. I want to be impactful. I want to, I want to, I, I think I can compete at this level. And that's sort of some of the frustration I have now. Like, I feel like, you know, I never made, I never made a roster. I got cut a million times. I was on a practice squad, but I never made the, you know, the 53 man roster. And I felt like I could have been certain places. And my frustration now is I feel like, you know, I got, I got some preseason action. I didn't get a ton. I feel like I was never given that chance to, like, fail. Like, mm-hmm. I would have been more satisfied. Like, I played in a bunch of preseason games. I was awful. And that's why I never fully made it. 
And I just, that's sort of what I hang on to. Like, why don't I ever get like more opportunity to see if I could do it or not? Yeah. And how do you, how do you, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but that's where my goal sort of changed. It was like, I'm not just happy being here anymore. Now I feel like I can play at this level. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about your transition out of pro sports. And, you know, this is a relevant question to me because I'm, you know, slowly transitioning out of basketball. Sure. (laughs) Not at the professional level, but. Yeah, but still. Yeah. So how do you sort of strive to find things where you, you feel purposeful and, you know, you, you kind of find something else that hopefully you're as passionate or somewhere near as passionate about, you know, to do with the rest of your life. What, what are yeah, some great. words um, of wisdom you can offer to people in transitions like that? Yeah, that's great. Um, it took me a while. Like it took me a while. You know, it's hard. It's hard to want, it's hard to give it up. You know, I think it's hard for anybody, no matter what the level is, whether it's coming out of high school, whether it's coming out of college, or it's coming out, you know, it's hard to give it up. It's been such a part of you and especially you. I mean, you're a guy that's worked through. I mean, one thing I've admired about you is your work ethic is awesome. Thank like, you. I've watched you through the years here. Like you will work your butt off. Thank and you. And I've always been I've always been impressed with what you put into it. Yeah. Um Thank you. yeah. I've always it's something I've always commented on. Um and then it's like how do you find something that, that sort of replaces that void that's been such a part of you? And for me, I didn't know, like, I, I didn't, I didn't know what that was going to be. You know, it was like, I've been doing this for so long and now all of a sudden, like, it looks like it's ending. Um, you know, how do I transition out of this and still find something I'm passionate about? So my first thing was I went into running these athletic training facilities where I had always been training. It seemed like a natural sort of, you know, they happened to be franchising them and they were like, why don't you open one? And I was like, all right. And I like, I wasn't, I hadn't bought that I was fully done yet. So I'm like, oh, I can still train. I can start to get more in business. Like, you know, it seemed like a pretty good transition. So I did that for a bunch of years. Um, I did try to work at like a hedge fund at one point. I was like, oh my God, this is not for me. I hated it. Um, I worked at a sports internet company for a while. I was okay. You know, I felt, I felt decent about it. And then, um, then the head coaching job opened here. And somebody was like, you should go for that. And even though I don't remember who told me. Oh, I know it was the head coach of Poly Prep. Wow. Who I knew pretty well. He's like, you should go for that. So I did. Had never coached. Um, got the job. And then absolutely fell in love with it. Like, loved it. This is the first thing I had done that was like, this is amazing. This is this is filling a void. It's competitive. It's working with people. I loved it. And the more I did it, it was like, oh, my God, if I could turn that into full time, this would be ideal. And then kind of the more I did that, then... I got really close to the athletic director who was here at the time. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, that, would, that seems like a pretty good gig. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to, my kids were at Mandel in the city and nursery, and they were expanding to a middle school and they wanted to start an athletics program P. And I, I emailed the head of school. I was like, hey, not as a father. I'm interested in that as, you know, professionally. And she took a shot on me with, you know, not a lot of experience. And I got the job there and um, it was great. I mean, that was a great opportunity to really build the thing because was, there was nothing there. And, um, you know, then it sort of became the dream of coming here. So I did broadcasting in the middle of it at some point. I love that. That felt, that was awesome. The one thing about it though, you know, look, playing sports, you're short and you know this, it doesn't matter. The level doesn't matter. You're at the mercy of somebody else making the decisions, right? Your head coach is making the lineup. No matter how hard you work, like somebody else is judging you, everything you do. So that was always frustrating in sports for me. It was like, ah, I think I'm better than that guy, but. Uh, they don't think I'm better than that guy, so it doesn't matter. Then broadcasting was the same. It was like, no matter how good I thought at it, there was a producer and a director, and like somebody's like, you know, you're not good enough. I'm not going to give you more games. 
So finally when I got this, it was like the first thing that I felt like I was in control of this. Like I felt like my performance was determining the success or failure of this. There was nobody else. I mean, obviously I have bosses and I have people to answer for, but it wasn't the same like, you know, analytical, like somebody's like, well, I like that guy better because he's a little taller, a little faster. You know, you can't do, you know. Um, you felt in control. I of the felt situation. in control. Yeah. 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 And it was, and it was awesome. Yeah. It was also great to be like, oh my God, I can plan like stuff with my family. And that, you know, when I, when I was bouncing around the NFL, it was like, you had to be ready to drive. You, know, you never yeah. knew. It was like, I was living this life of train, 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 train. The phone may ring at any time. And it would, and it would, it would like just yeah. ring. Right. And they're like, Hey, we want to find you for a workout. And if you're not ready for it, like they don't care why you weren't ready for it. They just see somebody who's not ready. So it, like the lifestyle of it, I, I felt like, you know, I wasn't able to ever make plans. I wasn't ever going to, because it was like, I want, I was like on call. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having this has been like, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I can make, make I, can, I know what my plans are in, you know, March of next year already. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I never had that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this has been satisfying. I mean, this has been, you know, it has the competitive piece. It has the athletic piece. It has, you know, dealing with people piece. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm helping people. I feel like I'm contributing to people's lives in, in a positive way. Like there's so much about this. That's great. Yeah. That, uh, that I, this has been awesome. Yeah. No, for sure. I'd say, I would say my advice would be yeah. to try as much as you can. Yeah. Try as much as you can. Cause you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't know. Yeah. You know, get, get as many experiences as you can. You'll, you'll figure right. it out. Yeah. Go ahead. Anyway. Um, my question was, my next question was, I think there are, or at least in my experience, uh, athletically, I've encountered a whole bunch of people who can play the sport really, really, really well, but they can't, they can't teach it to other people. Talk about the differences between playing a sport and, you know, coaching it. Yeah, that's such a great, and, and you see it both ways, right? You see people that, that, that have not been successful as players and can teach it. Yeah. It, it goes both ways, which is interesting. Um, you know, I look, I, I give a lot of credit to my success of also having gone to school here. I, I, I do feel my understanding of the place, the mentality, the students helps me tremendously as the athletic director and as a coach. And um, I think just sort of, I feel like I have a sense of, of kind of how people think and how people operate. And I, I've been able to just utilize my knowledge of the game and all the studying I've done and been able to teach it in a way that I think is understandable. And then through all my real life experiences of coaching and taking all those messages of all those years and sort of knowing what I responded to and what I didn't respond to and what I thought worked and what I thought didn't work and been able to find that and sort of like, you know, have this testing ground, right, of, of trying it here yeah. and knowing, hey, something's not going to work and you're going to have to figure it out, right? And every year, I think I'm able to sort of sit back and reanalyze and be like, oh, what worked that year? What didn't, you know, what, where did we miss? Where didn't we miss? And just being, I think the more self-aware you are, I think that's also a big piece of being able to help you as a coach. How do you build that skill of self-awareness? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where, you know, because I see, you know, so many people that are not at all. Um, I think there's, I think you have to have, look, I think it's a fine line as an athlete, right? You have to have confidence. You have to have a cockiness. You have to have an ability to say, Hey, I'm better than anybody out here. And at the same time, like a self-awareness in that moment might knock some of that confidence down. 
but I think I think in life you have to be somewhat self-aware to be successful. You have to understand your limitations and what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I do I do think at this point in my life, I think because of the places I played, I don't think I don't feel like I have anything to prove anymore. I don't feel like I I don't feel like I ever go out there with something to prove to anybody. And I don't have an ego. So I'm able to say, oh, this person's ideas are better. Or this this person's got great ideas. Like I'm willing to listen to that. I'm willing to listen to feedback without being offended by it. Uh, I want to hear feedback realistically. I want to hear what people have to say. It's not going to bother me. Uh, and and I, I think that all has helped me to be realistic about who I am and who my kids are. And, you know, I, you know, my wife and I talk about it a lot, even with our own kids. Like, I, I think we're parents that are pretty realistic about our kids' abilities. And we're not out there being like, oh, they should be doing this or that because, you know, which yeah. is, it's hard. But I think it's, I think, it, I think, I think, I think you have to be realistic about who you are. Yeah. And, and what you can and cannot do. Yeah. I mean, because you talked about your reflection process and uh, one of my, you know, hunches is that that might be contributing to your, your sense of, you know, self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, or excuse me, what do you feel like is driving you now, now that you don't have the same chip on your shoulder? That's a good question. Um, I think driving me now is just literally the, the desire to make this program and this athletic world as good as it possibly can. And the idea of giving our kids the best possible experience they can get and putting a product out every day that is something we can be proud of. You know, I, I sat, I sat, in a, I sat in a room a couple months ago, and, and we were going around sharing stuff about our departments, and you know what, you know what we feel. And I said, or, or it was like things that people might not realize about your department. And one thing I said about ours is, athletics is really public. It's very public, much, much more so than really anything else in the school. Maybe drama, and music, because they put on performances. But here, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? You can come and see it, and it's on display. And, and that idea that's on display motivates me to say what we're putting out three days a week better be the best it can. You talked before about one of the things that's driving you is make the athletic world the best that it possibly can. What's your vision for what does that look like? Yeah. So for me here at Fieldston, you know, look, this is a place where I really strive to say our athletic program needs to match the ideals of our school. And, you know, kids, kids leaving class at three o'clock and coming over here shouldn't be feeling like they're walking into a different world. Like there should be some consistency with how we're being coached. So what I envision is the experience is paramount because, you know, 99.9% of our kids, this is going to be it. They're not going to go play in college. Those that do, that's great. But if this is going to be it, this better be as great of an experience as we can possibly make it. And then we should be winning games because the experience is right and not the other way around. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's wise. And that's super important to me. Yeah. Because I, you know, look, I, if a team goes 22 and 0 and wins the state title, but everybody's miserable, like something's wrong with that. Yeah. Something's wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That for some places that's fine. Like that's great. Right. We're, we're, we're going to judge it by wins and losses. Yeah. And whereas for me, I want to, I want, I want wins and losses too. But to me, it better be happening in a way that's consistent with who we are as a school. Yeah. Can you go into detail about how you make the experience so fun for you guys? Yeah, football-wise? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think, look, I think I also have recognized somewhere along the way that, and I try to impart this on our coaches now in my athletic director role, that because the experience is so important, because we're not, a, we're not, you know, we're not a prep school that's, that kids are coming to to repeat to go play Division One athletics, although I want as many kids as we can to go play Division One athletics or two or three or whatever, and we'll support as, you know, any way we can, most of our kids are not going to go do that. So this should be fun. Like, it should still be fun. Yeah. Because we're not, like, in the SEC, right? Like, we're not playing in the Big Ten. Like, this should still be fun. And to me, I say to our coaches all the time, this should also be fun for you. I don't want coaches going out that are miserable. Because then what are you doing it for? You're not getting paid $10 million a year to coach here. So you, like, this should be something you enjoy also. And... You know, that's where it's like, you know, even the friend part we were talking about at the beginning, like, I'll joke around with the kids at times in practice. And then, you know, sometimes, and then sometimes I'll realize I let it go too far and I can't bring them back. And I've sort of lost them because now they're, you know, they're still kids and like, I had too much fun and bad move by me, but whatever. Um, but I think if you can't have moments of fun and, you know, moments where we can laugh and moments where we can enjoy it, then like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. And I think for me, and I didn't say this earlier, but one, one thing that I bring to this job every single day is perspective. And I think if you can, and it's something about the self-awareness is tied into that, but if you can't have perspective as to where you are and where you're playing and where you're coaching, then I think you're going to have a hard time. And that doesn't mean like don't work as hard, don't push people as hard, don't try to get the wins. Yes, do all of that, but also understand like where you're trying to do it. And understand the nuances of what it takes to do it here. And if you have some of that perspective, I think it helps make you self-aware, which I think allows you to not get as frustrated and then allows you to have more fun and more success. Because I think the coaches that haven't, it hasn't worked out as well, I think come in with a different expectation of who they think they're going to be coaching and then it doesn't work out. Yeah. Perspective as in, you know, seeing the big picture but also yeah. seeing with clear with clear vision where exactly you are which you know in one way will help you get to the next level well i think in understanding like if you're coaching here you know especially in football where I have a lot of guys like you might have 15 percent of those guys 20 percent, i don't know that are like this is the number one thing they care about is football playing football here that's that that's number one on their list of things they care about you might have another, you know, 35, 40% of you guys that are like, maybe it's top five. Then you're going to have like a huge percentage of people that like, it might not even be in the top 10, but they still want to play and they want to contribute and they want to participate, but you have to be able to coach all of them. Yeah. And you have to be able to dial all of them in. So to me, the perspective is like, you're not walking into like, you know, Don Bosco where, you know, Nine, maybe 80% of the kids are here because they want to go play Division One football, right? That's the reason they're at school here. That is not the reason our kids are at school here. So how do you, how do you kind of bring those people together when, you know, some of them, this is the main thing that they care about and some it's like, you know, they're doing it because they want to play a sport. And, yeah, you, know, you get some of that, right? Like yeah. we're, and we're in non-cut sports, so you're going to get some of the kids that are like, this looks awesome. And I'm like, that's great, come play. But to me, you still need to contribute, right? 
you just don't need to be like you know I'm I'm fine. You want to come participate and you want to just try football? That's awesome. But I don't care what your skill set is. Like you're going to still be dialed in. You know you're going to be serious. And you're going to take it seriously and you're going to do what we ask and you're going to do the drills. And you're going to be part of it. And to me, you know, all of that is as important as the kid who's the best kid on the team. Yeah. One of the things that I was most excited to hear your response to was in the most respectful way possible, the world has gotten a, like increasingly anti-football because of you know research uh, into you know, brain injuries and stuff like that. So I guess my question is if a parent comes to you and says like, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume some version of this story has happened. A parent comes to you where it's like, my kid really wants to play, but I'm, you know, I'm worried about the injuries. How do you respond in that moment? Um, so first off, I will say it's so much better when a parent wants to have that conversation. I actually encourage that conversation because unfortunately what happens too often is that conversation never happens and the parent just makes that decision for their kid and their kid doesn't play without ever talking about it. So I always try to put out there to our parents, you know, please come talk about it. Please at least hear the facts, get the information and then make your decision. Like, let's talk about your concerns. Uh, so I have that conversation a lot, which is, which I love. I love entertaining that conversation. And what I always say is, I think that we do an incredible job of, of handling our kids the right way, especially in practice. You know, I think we teach it the right way. Um, I think we're really, really smart about contact in practice. I think we're really smart about how we pair kids off when we are doing live drills. I think we're good about balancing, like, when you do need to go live versus, you know, when, when you can't. I think we're... You know, I think you have to find those spots because you do need to tackle sometimes in practice to be ready for a game, but you don't want to do it too much because you don't want to get a kid hurt in practice. Um, and I think we've done a really, really good job of that, which I, which when I talk to parents, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I, that's one thing I try to express so much that we're very thoughtful about how we handle contact in practice. And I'll say, look, I, I'm, I can't sit here and say your kid's not going to get hurt, but your kid could get hurt, you know, walking down the steps. Your kid can get hurt, you know, playing yeah. anything. Um, and, and, you know, our league has also made moves to make it safer. We've actually partnered with the Concussion Legacy Foundation, so we've eliminated kickoffs. Our league has mandated uh, the number of contact minutes you can have in practice in a week. So all of those things help, too. And, you know, we're getting, we're getting obviously, the best equipment and all of these things. So I love that conversation, and I always end it with, I have seen football help way more many kids than I've ever seen it hurt. Yeah. So and not the Lord of my nineteen years here, <laughs> like we've been pretty Yeah healthy. <laughs> One of the themes that uh first of all, are you good on time? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um what time is it? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. One of the themes that is kind of coming up a lot uh is balance. You know, you have to you have to balance the well, like you just talked about the contacts versus non contact. You talked about at the beginning, you have to balance, you know like friendship versus coach and you got to find like the, the sweet spot there. Uh, do you have any, and I, and this is kind of a core question. It's a pretty abstract question, but a lot of people are working to find some balance in their life. How do you, what are you, what are your advice to navigate that philosophical? Yeah, issue? no, it's a good <laughs> philosophical question. I know you always hear about balance in life. Um, it's so funny because I don't know if I'm great at that, you know, like balance in life. I also, it's funny, you know, people are always like, you know, like, what do you do? Like, what do you enjoy doing? Like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's so funny when people ask that question. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, I enjoy like just, I enjoy this. And then like, I enjoy just going home and hanging with, you know, my kids yeah. and dinner and whatever, you know, watching 
some shows and movies. Um, but I, I do, I do think like you can't be consumed all day by what, by, by like your work, whether it's your job or whatever it might be. It's one of the main reasons I didn't want to coach in college. You know, I've seen, I've seen what that lifestyle is like. I mean, that lifestyle is all consuming. Like it is nonstop all the hours of being at the facility. Like there is a part of me that wants to see if I could be successful at it, but there's a bigger part of me that's like, I, I just, I, I value like being with my family and sort of my yeah. time too much, you know? So I, to me, balance is like, and I think balance has gotten harder with work. I think, you know, cell phones and email and text, it's like, you never really like leave the office anymore. And do you have the ability to sort of put that stuff away and, and be in the moment? And so I do, I do try to fight that sometimes of like, Hey, I'm going to put it away and I'm going to try to be in the moment a little yeah. bit. So I, it's, think it's, I think it's hard for you guys. I mean, I think it's hard for anybody. Yeah. I think it's nonstop now. Right. Yeah. Sort of the blessing and the curses of technology. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, it's things always just come up and it's on, you know, on my cell phone. It's very difficult to compartmentalize. Yeah. The way it's hard to ignore to. it. Because it yeah. sort of sits there and you're like, ah, oh, I don't feel like answering right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> but no. people that can do that, like, you know, like back in the day, it was like you're done at 5.30 with work, you just went home. Yeah. It was done. Yeah, I think the, the people who can compartmentalize well have a huge advantage. I mean, first of all, I think it fosters more presence, yeah. which I think is one of the most important things. I think people perform their best when they're fully focused on whatever they're doing as opposed to, you know, kind of thinking about one thing and you know go swapping back and forth you know like being in one place but your mind somewhere else yeah it's hard yeah and and i think the people who are able to you know align like where they are with yeah. what they're like what they're doing with what they're really focused on yeah. have a huge advantage it's huge that's what i love like to me i love like game days like game days yeah. like i know for two and a half hours like this is what i'm doing like yeah, my phone is all you know. Like, yeah. like this is what I'm dialed in. Like this is what we're doing. Yeah. Sometimes you like walk out of a game and you feel like you've entered a whole new world. Yes. It's like wow, yeah. I was entirely consumed with this I game. I was entirely focused. For, yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing else. And yeah. You check your phone. You have seven million texts. In yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think I think that'll do it. That was Dude, awesome. This is great, man. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, that was sick. This is awesome. Yeah. These are great questions.